Hi, this is David Flowers, Senior Pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S. and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Grantham Church. What a wonderful service we've had already this first Sunday of Advent. Our children are invited to Kids on Worship at this time if you want to do that, or you can stay in here and continue to worship with us. Thanks for joining us in worship. If you're joining us in person or via live stream, my name is David Flowers. I'm a senior pastor here at Grantham. As you've heard already this morning, we began a new series for Advent called Close to Home. In this series, we are going to explore the idea of home as it relates to our faith, particularly in the season and in the story of Advent, which many of us know so well. You know, when something hits close to home, it affects us deeply, doesn't it? That's what we mean by that, when something hits us close to home. And during the Advent and Christmas season, we journey through the Scriptures and traditions that are tender, heavy with emotion, and vulnerable. We carry the memories and truths of this season close to our hearts. Also, it's, it's during this time that we're aware of loss and of longing. Therefore, in this series, Close to Home, we want to acknowledge the already but not yet nature of the kingdom and this tension of our faith. Emmanuel is with us, and yet God's promised day, our eternal home, is not fully realized. Thus, it names our deep longing for God to come close to us. In this Advent, we are going to use the Gospel lectionary text as our primary Scripture reading. So if you would, go ahead and grab your Bible. You can use the one on your phone or the pew Bible in front of you and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 21. Our Gospel lectionary text this first Sunday of Advent, Luke chapter 21 And I'm going to read verses 25 through 36. And would you please stand with me in the reading of the Scripture. Jesus says, There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told him this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that the kingdom 
of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Speak to God, you may be seated. We've heard the word homesick a few times already this morning. Think about that word. This comes from the German, which literally means home pain. Home pain. Think about your own experiences with being homesick. I I can remember my, my first memories of being homesick was when I would go and stay at a friend's house, maybe overnight. Or if it was in the summer and I really liked this friend and he liked me, I might stay two nights, you know. And I can remember at the end of that time feeling like I want to see my mom. <laughs> I miss my home. I miss my room. I miss my stuff. You know, and there are several times throughout childhood I, I can recall that feeling. Maybe going on a long trip and missing home. I certainly remember my first night in college uh, having moved my stuff into the dorm room and parents leaving And I'm there by myself on the top bunk with a couple guys that I didn't know in my room. And just remember lying awake, looking at the ceiling and thinking, what have I done? (laughs) Will I get through this? Even at 19 years old, missing mom. Feeling homesick. And, you know, as you get older, you, you experience being homesick in different ways, don't you? I've certainly experienced this in ministry. As pastors, we often move around quite a bit, sometimes more than we'd like. And, you know, being away from family. And, you know, it begins to call into question, what, what, is, what is home, really? And then I know some of you have probably experienced, even when you go back home, it doesn't quite feel the same. And so you have these nostalgic sort of memories of the way things were, but they're they're not that way anymore. Will they ever be? That's life, isn't it? Knowing what it means to be homesick. So home doesn't just denote a physical place or a material reality, does it? If you think about it, it's an emotional state of being. You know, they say home is where the heart is. Maybe that's partially true, but even when your heart is in a place, and if you think about how, uh, certainly around Christmas time, things can be so good in the moment, yet so fleeting, right? You can't push pause on this. You can't hold it. It will pass. A feeling of homesick bubbles up within us, even when things are good. So think about the ways you experience this today. 
You can experience it when you're moving, something's changing, experiencing fear or loss, all sorts of ways. Do you know up until the 20th century, it was considered a, a legitimate illness to be homesick. It, doctors would diagnose you as being homesick. They gave it a term, they called it, and they invented this for this purpose, nostalgia. It, it garnered sympathy once upon a time. And during the Civil War, you know, there were certain songs they couldn't sing when they were out fighting because when they sang them, everybody wanted to go home. You know, immigrants, when they moved across the seas, experienced that. Today, immigrants feel this, of course, and refugees, they experience great anxiety and depression, leaving home, going to a new place. You know, I think if we're honest, our present attitudes about homesickness aren't, aren't all that great. <laughs> you know, the attitude is really, you should get over that. You should just grow up. I mean, what's your, what's your deal? You know, what's your problem? Why, why are you feeling this way? And isn't that really predicated on the idea that movement is natural? And in our individualistic, industrial, highly transient society, Homesickness is a sign of weakness or immaturity in American culture. But actually, it's quite natural. You know, Jesus understood this in the bizarre passage that we read in Luke 21. You think, why are we reading that for Advent? This apocalyptic, cataclysmic warning sort of text that Jesus gives as they're walking by the temple and Jesus is predicting a time will come when this temple will be destroyed, the city will be raised, and you need to prepare yourself. And Jesus is not coldly or heartlessly rambling off some prophecy. He really cares about the people. He really cares about what they're going to be experiencing and what they're going to go through. And so, Jesus shares a bit about that. Listen to what we, we read as he prepares his disciples for the spiritual, mental, and emotional upheaval to come. In verse 34, he, he said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Now, why would there be carousing? Why would there be drunkenness? Why would there be anxiety? See, these, these are coping mechanisms. This is, and this is how you live when you don't have purpose when you've lost your focus, when you don't have hope. Jesus says, beware of that. You don't want to give over yourself over to those things. And he says, that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. So you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared. Verse 40, 35, he says, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. Again, Jesus is talking specifically about what is going to happen there in the first century, but I think it's texts like these that really transcend the first century and can speak to uh, all generations, depending on the trials and the tribulations that we undergo, and of course, ultimately, the last trials and the last tribulation. As we've already heard in this service, Advent is about the first coming of Christ, but we also look forward to the second coming of Christ. This is when Jesus will finally do away with those homesick feelings. But here we are in the waiting. And this is what we're about here in the church in this season of Advent. 
Remember, God's people have always been sojourners. If you go back to the garden, uh, we see a people who when the world, sin comes into the picture and the world is seen as broken and we experience this brokenness, human beings are on the move. Whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God's people, for most of their history were people on the move. You think about their first place of worship was a tabernacle, a mobile temple. This is what God gave his people. In fact, he really didn't in the beginning want a temple made with human hands fixed in one given location, but yet God will still use that to teach us a lesson about his presence. And eventually we see that Jesus himself is that temple, which we also remember at Christmas time. And so it's through slavery and through the wilderness and yet a short period of peace in the promised land and then exile. God's people are a people on the move, always experiencing these feelings of being homesick, that that the world isn't quite right, that the world needs deliverance, the world needs renewal and resurrection. Even Jesus said, Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 58, he said, a a, a man comes to Jesus, Luke tells us, and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replies, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. This is our Lord. Our Lord is a God on the move. And we are a people on the move always in motion, longing, waiting for full deliverance. You see, in this, Jesus calls us to be a sojourning nomadic people who long and pray for a better world, which sets God's people apart from the rest of the world. So think back to the history there of God's people. Listen to what the author of Hebrews writes about the Old Testament fathers and mothers in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 16. The author of Hebrews writes, all these people were still living by faith when they died. All those promises. It says they didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Have you come to that realization yet as a follower of Jesus? that you live with those longings and that you will forever live with those longings this side of eternity. He said this is how the, the early church fathers and mothers lived as well as in the Old Testament, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You notice in this text, our faith helps us to live with longing. Our faith helps us to live with longing. And what does the author of Hebrews mean by a heavenly one? It's really in the same sense that when Paul writes about a a heavenly body, we need a heavenly resurrected body. This isn't an immaterial world. We're not having to leave the earth and 
watch it all burn and fly off to the other end of the cosmos to experience this heavenly city. It's simply describing a city in which God has to make. It's God's making this promised land, this city. It's of God's making and God must bring it. In her book, Keeping Place, Reflections on the Meaning of Home, Jen Pollock Michelle writes this. She says, the biblical narrative begins and ends at home. From the Garden of Eden to the New Jerusalem, which the book of Revelation speaks of, we are hardwired for place and for permanence, of rest and refuge, for presence and protection. We long for home because welcome was our first gift of grace and it will be our last. The settings of our first home and our last home testify to the nature of the embodied story God is writing in human history. Because God's story begins in a garden and ends in a city. Place isn't incidental to Christian hope just as bodies aren't incidental to salvation. God will resurrect our bodies and he will finally bring us home, amen. You know, many would have us believe that blissful gardens and heavenly cities of resurrection and the end to death of the longing for home is the wishful thinking of naive people, the stuff of fairy tales. But as Jen Pollock Michelle writes, the nostalgic longing for home is an impulse of Eden. Isn't that beautiful? The nostalgic longing for a home is an impulse of Eden. God has put it within us, this longing. In other words, God has placed these longings and desires within us and they are a signpost and evidence of God's good future, his future to come. In his classic book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis writes, the Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. Think about it, a baby feels hunger. Well, there's such thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there is such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Lewis says, if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or to be unthankful for these earthly blessings, and on the other, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy, echo, or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do the same. 
That's good stuff, isn't it? You know, if you think about it in many ways, these deep inner longings for home can be seen in the West's mythological stories and some of our modern fantasies. Stories like Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, some of you are a fan of these, Star Wars, and Dune. Think about how countercultural, subversive, and even prophetic some of these stories are in light of the past 100 years of Western thought and history. In an age of scientism, of humanism, and technological hubris that has bred no shortage of dystopian, nihilistic visions of the future, that there are writers and artists who dare to invite us to pay attention to our longings for home and believe in the eventual triumph of good over evil, just as the inspired and authoritative biblical text does in our ancient faith. So take, for example, Lewis and Tolkien. In the 1930s, they were part of a group called the Oxford Inklings, an unofficial literary society that one biographer referred to as being guilty of the heresy of happy endings. Yet they courageously imagined a hopeful world, a world set to rights, and their stories still stir our hearts and our imaginations today. Sure, John Williams' soundtrack helps. Again, Jen Pollock Michelle writes, listen, she says, the, the genre of fairy tale was both for Tolkien and Lewis naturally suited to their Christian belief that the sun would rise on a new world and that God's people would indeed live happily ever after. They rejected the modernist aesthetic of dissonance and estrangement, and instead long to reclaim a world of beauty and goodness, a world of enchantment. In their stories of hobbits and orcs, fawns and beavers and Father Christmas, Tolkien and Lewis told the story of home as the scriptures tell it. The world has fallen from its original perfection, but it will one day be restored. The enduring legacy of these stories testify to the resonance of their hope. Humans long for the thaw of winter and for the return of the king. They want to go home. Brothers and sisters, don't miss this. The good news is about these longings and desires, they have been fully realized in Jesus of Nazareth. That's what I, I like about these stories, that these mythological and stories, these modern fantasies that you just saw some of the images of. They, they all point to the real thing in some way. I mean, this is the true story of renewal, of redemption. This is the true story of the triumph of good over evil. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, John writes his own birth narrative, a retelling of the creation story. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14, John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, the word there is the word tabernacled with us. We have seen his glory, John says, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So notice that language of Genesis 1 marks a a new beginning in Christ. Light is presently piercing the darkness of an already but not yet world. And God is making his home in this world and driving evil from it. Folks, the Lord is coming to us. And equally as mysterious as the incarnation is, so is the indwelling of Christ and him making his home in us. Typically, we we think of two comings, right? The first coming of Jesus born in a manger and then the second coming of Christ. But maybe there's a third coming. This coming of Christ in the present. This coming of Christ to you where you sit this morning. Remember what Jesus told his disciples on the final night before his crucifixion. He prepared them for the wait that was coming, the wait for the second coming. He said in John chapter 14, verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Make our home with them. What do we do with our homesick feelings? Well, we invite God to come and make his home in us that we might know the real power of the greatest story ever told. So that we might experience the comfort of Christ and the hope that he brings in Advent. And hear this, my friends, in receiving the good news and letting God make his home in us, will that cause these homesick feelings to subside? No. You see, here's what it does. Now we recognize those homesick feelings, not as a sign of weakness, but as a longing for what is true and divine. I think that's what Paul is getting at in Romans chapter 8, verse 22 through 25. He said, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now think about this church. When there are birth pangs, that means that something new is coming. This is what Paul wants to evoke, this image of of birth. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, even though we have Christ, Paul says, even though as Jesus told us he's made his home within us, we still groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies for the full consummation of the kingdom of God. For in this hope we were saved, Paul says, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? 
Paul says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is what we do in Advent. Finally, let's reflect and respond to what we've heard this morning. If we could sum it up like this. Number one, things are not as they should be. Our home is broken. Would you just think for a moment how you are experiencing this in your life? Things are not as they should be and our home is broken. Number two, we hear in this message that things are not as they will be. Our home will be set right. Now imagine that. Picture that. What does that look like? And lastly, number three, we hear this in the message today. Because of Jesus, we have hope. His home is coming to us. My friends, this is not wishful thinking. This is not fantasy. This is the gospel truth. All of our longings, all of the good feelings when we read Lewis, when we watch Lucas, is pointing to this story. May our longings be evidence of the hope that the Lord has instilled in us. Father, we thank you for Advent. You knew that Advent was what we needed as your transient people on the move. And Lord, you understand our longings. Help us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to be comforted through those longings this morning and remind us that it is evidence that we were made for another world. So come, Lord Jesus. Be God with us as we wait. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.